This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, this is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over um, the conclusion to the season for Manchester United in the, the last few weeks. Um, Paul, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. How are you after your long trip? I am jet-lagged, to be honest. I still need probably three hours sleep. I don't know where I'm going to find them from. But um, as you know, obviously we were talking on Monday morning. It was like, should we do the podcast? I'm like, oh, well, I'd, I'd much prefer to talk to Paul, but I think I'll be sleeping <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> uh, I've been chasing that ever since, to be honest. But it, it was a good break and um, a, a really good opportunity, actually, to just sort of get away from, like, you know, like it's, everyone's been the same and it's a privilege to go away on a break. I know you went away while we while we had this little break as well. And, you know, after everything that the world's been through for a couple of years, to actually get out and, and see different people and to do mm-hmm. the different things that we took for granted before, it's just been, um, it was great, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, jet lag is my enemy at the moment and I'm, I'm sort of fighting through that. Um, but I'm here, we're going to talk, it's all good. If you're watching live, please like and subscribe. If you're watching on the replay as well, please like and subscribe. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions and comments in. If you're watching the replay, feel um, feel free to comment because we do reply to the, the comments on the replays as well. And if you're listening back on the audio platform, please be sure to um, like, subscribe and comment, review on the platform you're listening on. just want to do a quick little boast for us um, before we begin. Feedspot, who were ranked as the number one independent uh, Man United podcast for number uh, for the year twenty one to the twenty twenty one, they have actually ranked as the best independent podcast for this season. I say that the list was published on Monday and we're still ranked the number one independent United podcast. So thank you, everyone who's tuned in, joined in the conversation, listened back on the audio podcast. It really means a lot, and. Um, Always appreciate your feedback all the time as well. First comment in from Ben this morning. Good morning, both. Welcome back, Wayne. Thank you very much, Ben. Hope you're well. Um, all right, well, let's get into it because it wouldn't be a Manchester United podcast this season without something disgraceful to run the rule over, Paul. And, and Brighton 4, I can't even believe I'm saying this, Brighton 4, Manchester United nil. And I really don't know how, how we talk about it. Like I've had a couple of weeks now to digest it. It's still unpalatable to to think about how how it went down. Obviously, there was the Brentford win before that, but the Brighton defeat is the one that everyone's going to remember. It's, it's there, like a sore thumb sticking out. Um, we've said this phrase many times over the last few years. You know, is this a new low since Sir Alex? And yeah, you could argue that again. The thing is, though, Paul, that defeat and the nature of it 
although shocking as it was, was not a surprise. You're not surprised to see that from this Manchester United team. You're not supposed, uh, surprised to see it from these Manchester United players. The one thing that I would say was the surprise, if there was a surprise to pick from it, was the fact that many of the players that we've criticised for their attitude weren't in the team that day. So there's a big change in that. So obviously you could definitely criticise the attitude after half time. It was like they just literally gave up again. But also, there's a worrying indication of the quality of those players, their desire, because Brighton obviously wanted it more, and just because they wanted it more, they seemed to... The It was... <laughs> I didn't even say this phrase, but when you know, we remember the Liverpool game at Old Trafford and they took the foot off the gas, there was that feeling that Brighton could have had more. Does it worry you more? That, that, I mean, I don't know. Is it a case of even worrying now? Because a lot of these players are going to be on the way. Did it worry you more, the fact that you saw a performance like that when most of these players, like, you know, let's name the players that have been mostly criticised for their attitude, would be Pogba, Maguire, Lingard, Martial. None of them were in the starting lineup, and we still put in a performance like that. It's it a great concern, right? Oh, without a doubt, it's a concern. But like you said, it, it wasn't unexpected what went on. Everyone knows about Brighton. I've always said that Brighton are a team that play, you know, the way they play, if they just had what everybody wants is that goal scorer, Brighton yeah. would be competing for a spot in Europe because they are. When you look at about a team dominating the ball, you take away City and you take away Liverpool, they may be the best after them, to be perfectly honest, the way, the way they play. So I'm not surprised that United lost, but I'm surprised that to lose 4-0, and the manner in which they lost just summed up a season, really, a season so far. Um, and the problem is they can't pull it to bed because there's still another away game to go. I don't know how some of those players come back from it, to be honest, really, because there's so many things against a lot of those players. I don't know if, they, if people are going to forgive them, really, from what they've seen over a season, some of them a lot longer. Can a new manager change everything with those play, those players, a lot of those players, I would say no, because they've seen off too, you know, seen off too many managers. It's yeah. absolutely incredible how our players now can play for so many managers at different times and still be given so many chances and some of them are contracts renewed and you think, well, they're not positive moves. They're, they're moves, obviously, that to help resell or something, but to give out the contracts are not they're not a reward anymore contracts there there's something underlying about signing a contract now where before you be, you know you being a big a big football fan a big Manchester United fan Wayne when a player was given a contract you you would nine times out of ten go yeah great we've got them a bit longer when they sign a contract now you're kind of going but why he's got three and a half years to go it's someone, you need someone to tell you why they're giving them another contract, which is never disclosed nowadays, which for me is totally wrong. Totally, totally wrong. When people say to me, oh, don't you wish you was playing this year? I always say no. They said, what about the money? I said, it's not about the money. It's not, that's not the reason why I become a professional footballer. But when, they, you know, and I turn and say, it's not about the money. It's because I don't think I'd enjoy playing with these players of today. Majority of them, just in the way their manner, their attitude, and the fact of they're not concerned about winning and winning, wanting to win, wanting to win trophies 
and wanting to play at the highest level. They're content to sit around on big money. They're not knocking on the manager's door or even questioning if they're not playing regularly. Someone in front of them is playing poor. So for me, football's in a poor state at this moment in time. When I say football, I'm talking about the Premier League. Mm. It's open below. There's people down there who are still playing to um, pay a mortgage and pay off a flash card they've mostly gone and brought. They're the ones who are really trying to earn their corn and working hard for it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, working hard is definitely the the buzzword, buzz phrase of the season for United and, and the lack of that um, hard work in there. You, you hit on something there, which is quite right, and... I've never thought about it in, in that term. When was the last time that you saw a player rewarded with a new contract and you thought, yeah, I can see why that, that's happened and why the timing and everything. Because even with Fernandez, you can talk about Jones and you can talk about Matter and you can talk about Matic and their extra years on the contracts, but or Eric Bailly and stuff like that. But then even going back to Martial, when Martial, he was given a new contract just after Mourinho was sacked and you were like, who's, who's making that decision, you know? Um, who's making the decision to keep putting offers for Pogba on the table when, you know, that's the story that's not gone away for years, by the way. It's not just come up now because it's the the last weeks of him being there. There's been a contract on the table at some point for the last few years. So why have they kept doing it? If he's shown no inclination to sign it, why have they kept going back? Why haven't they made a contingency plan? Why didn't they say, if he's not shown any willingness to maybe two years of not wanting to sign a new contract, why have they kept on with it? Why haven't they thought it better to cut on, cut the losses and everything? But yeah, and even the Fernandez one, like we talked about it. It's funny, Paul, because I mean, we've talked about this over and over and over um, over the last couple of years. And I don't want to blow your trumpet with this. And I'm not going to, just because we had like a little bit of nice praise about the podcast, I'm not going to be saying anything, but just too complimentary about ourselves. But when we go back over, the last 18 months and I know like I know this because I will always compliment you and I always like to say things that embarrass you but you've been so far ahead of the the sort of common wave of the way that people have been talking because I mean we you know the the I can remember getting a few pelters in the comment section um even when when you went into the press about it about Scott McTominay not being United Standard and that was maybe a, a year or maybe even 18 months ago, I think. It might, have, it might have even been longer than that. And then the Fernandez thing you were saying, you're concerned about his form and his attitude. And then a lot of people have been following that. The Maguire thing, you were you were on the ball with that. A lot of these things. And I know, yeah, sometimes people said, oh, you've been a little bit, oh, we as a podcast, both of us have been a little bit critical of it. But I don't think it has, I don't think our, certainly not our, intention when we have a conversation let's say off air or anything it's about the standards to which we hold the club accountable right me as a fan and you as a player a former player a legend of the club um, a serial winner with the club is that you see you're talking about this sort of apathy for this era and not wanting to play in it it is because of that because it's so alien to the attitude of what you were at the club with uh, we got a couple of comments in from from ben by the way Forgive, but not forget, um, but don't forget maybe about these players. We're never going to be able to change all the players as much as we want to. I'll come on to the sweeping changes in a moment. Um, but it's a, it's a good point. I think that that's where we as a fan base are with, or with all these players that, um, you know, you're not going to forget what they've been through. There are going to be some players who stay around because you can't change your full squad. 
you're going to see how those players implement um, and integrate with the, the new players that come in and a new manager. We're going to see a lot of that and hopefully the ones that remain will show an upturning attitude. And let, let's not get it wrong, there are a, there are certainly some players there with the right attitude. It's just that the, the stink is um, saying. Um, and a question from Richard that I'll, I'll come to you with, Paul. Does Paul think any of the players accused of lacking motivation, not doing their shirt justice, etc.? Have any of these players proved any, anyone wrong? That is a great question because those questions have been out all year, right? Those accusations have been out probably longer than a year for some of these players. Have they done anything? Do you think that any of them have done anything to prove anyone wrong? Have any of those players come out to try and show that the people are wrong about it? Do you think that they have? To be perfect, I can't think of one. I really cannot think of one who has suddenly got me to... You know, we're talking about attitude, and where I would say no, not at all, really, to be perfectly honest. Um, is anything going to change with a new manager? No, because they'll make like that personally. If the manager comes in and doesn't give them the attention that they want, um, are they going to accept that there's going to be new faces coming in? I would say maybe not because they may be of like the attention they were getting from the other faces who were there. Because the new faces that come in will be very pro this manager. Because I'm we're assuming that we're going to see Van der Beek come back and yeah. have a little bit more of a presence because he's going to feel that he's got an opportunity now to prove himself. He knows that this is a moment that he's got to go and grab. De Jong's been mentioned. Um, seen as well there's been another player mentioned I don't know if you pronounce it Timber or there's a, another way but I'll say Timber um, he's been mentioned but it's going to be a Dutch inference will come to Manchester United so those players who are that way will, um, who are the ones who are lacking the motivations the one with the bad attitude the sour apples in the barrel I could go on and on couldn't I um, <clears throat> but they're the ones who have got to maybe Look at the other players, the new players who come in and maybe lead by example. They'll be then asked to lead by example, be led by example with those other players coming in. Or they can or they can try and carry on as they've done with previous managers. And I think they might find out it's not going to work anymore. Because if we're led to believe everything that's been put down in the press, said in the press, said over the airwaves, um, the, the new incoming manager... Yeah. As you know, has virtually asked for control. So he's got a say in who comes in and who goes out. And that means then he can point the finger at players and their commercial value shouldn't affect his decision about saying, you can go and do one, you can sit in the under 23s, you can sulk around, or maybe if you don't like it, you're going to put your hands up and you're going to say you need to leave rather than sit on the fat contracts. Because we know anything in life and being human beings, if someone's willing to fill your pocket up with money, there isn't too many out there honest enough to say, I've lost my mojo, I don't really need to be here, I need a change, I'm willing to give back a bit just to move on. They won't do that. Do you, um, you mentioned a couple of players there. Um, De Jong is one that, you know, is rumbling. Um, there seems to be some serious legs in it, whether or not it gets completed or not is another matter but United are definitely trying for that the other one is Timber you mentioned you one thing that you've mentioned a lot on this podcast is and we, we 
it was a concern you had about Varane right from the start, and I think it's definitely been proven over the season, is would he step out of the shadow of Sergio Ramos and emerge as a leader for Maguire? That's not been the case, and Maguire's obviously a player who needs to be led. Lindelof is another player who needs to be led, and in a, a strange roundabout kind of event, Lindelof's ended up being the de facto leader of that defence, even though he needs to be led. Does it have a? Are you concerned a little by the idea that Timber is twenty and he'll be asked to come in and take that responsibility? Because you will need, unless you're going to bring in a leader next to Timber, you're going to be asking him to lead Varane, who's a World Cup winner. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a big ask. Um, I think in football, I don't think you can always judge people in their ages and what they are. And just, I mean, I, you know, to name but one is Declan Rice. Of course, yeah. It's about the manner in which you've been brought up. Yeah. That's the thing, you know, in the way you are. I look at Paul Wince has always been Paul Wince and the moment he's at West Ham. He's whole, everything about him. That's he's a great, always self-opinionated. You look at Roy, the way he yeah. was. You look at Brian Robson, the way he was. Um, Steve Bruce have always, has always been the way he was. I played against Bruce when he was at Gillingham. And Bruce is not a great deal older than me. But he, when he was at Gillingham, he was leading some experienced players at Gillingham. Bruce, he knocked me into the stand and laughed at me when I, when I was playing for Fulham because it had a drop. And he just laughed at me when I fell down it. When he was at Norwich, it was him and um, Dave Watson, the two centre-halves. Bruce, he was the mainstay there. Dave Watson was a captain, but Bruce, in theory, was the captain without oh, an yeah. armband. Yeah, Martin so, Buckley as well. When Martin yeah, Buckley came yeah. in, he was, I think he was named captain in one of his first, it might even be in his first home game. Yeah, he had the likes of Charlton and Lowe in there, so yeah, it's a, it's a great yeah. point. That, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about an age of 20, and everyone kept throwing up, and I said it about Varane, and they are, oh, but he played with Ramos. His one winning everything is great, it means you've, you've got the experience of it, you know it, but it doesn't mean that you're suddenly this kind of leader because you think about who played, he played next to a warrior in yeah. Ramos. Yeah. Varane was the calmer one, the one who maybe got the credit all the time because the way he always looked relaxed. There's a reason why I look, at this, look relaxed. Let's be perfectly honest. If I, was to, if I was to walk in with 20, 20 men carrying 25 guns with them and 40 grenades into a Klu Klux Klan meeting, even I would be relaxed to be perfectly honest in that sense. I would feel better and comfortable. Varane had Ramos next to him and he felt great. So he had every right to be that way. He's come to Manchester United. He's played on the peripheral. He's been edgy. He's wearing gloves in April um, and May. No, he doesn't look good for me, a centre-half in, in that manner, the way he's playing. He hasn't done anything to warrant what he has in his cabinet at this moment in time. Can he, can he improve? Well, we see what the new manager does to, to get to drag more out of him because, he, for me, he takes the easy option. Everything yeah. he does, he, he's, he's playing too easy, not doing enough on the attacking side that you expect of him now in today's game and with his background. Um, and he's not doing enough defensively. And what you said about Lindelof, I've been saying it quite well. Lindelof has ended up as Manchester United's most assured centre-half this season. He's tried to grab it. So even I put my hand up and say um, that I've eaten humble pie about Lindelof. He has stepped forward. That's the one player who has come from some horrendous stick from everybody into someone yeah. who, hasn't, who hasn't gone into a little hole to hide or used excuses 
um, about things. So, that, you know, that tells you that he can only get better and better. Yeah. A couple of comments in. Richard Seville only just finding out the kind of player Martial is. Yeah. Um, Dutch influence has always been good for United, good history. Yeah. Um, and Ben comes on to a point which we're going to come on to now anyway. Um, could something as simple as a captaincy change help shift that culture? We saw Ten Hag praising Ronaldo recently. It's not. Uh, I thought that was a not-so-subtle hint. Um, Paul, on this, Gordon Hill, obviously United legend, he wrote a column for the website. Um, he's not been the biggest fan of Rangnick. He's actually quite... <laughs> he's been openly critical of him. But he said one thing that can be said for this era, this era being the six months under Rangnick, is that just about every player has had a fair shake, and even the ones who haven't had a fair shake, like Van der Beek and Martial, they've had it elsewhere. Now... So hopefully there's no need for a new manager to see that. Do you agree? There is the talk that Ragnik has prepared this dossier for players, uh, a dossier of you know information for Ten Hag to look at. And obviously there's some truth in that, whether or not he's been as critical as what the press have suggested is a different thing. He's obviously prepared something for him. But do you have a... Do you think that that's a strong enough assessment for a new manager to come into? Do you think that do you have a fear that a new manager is going to want to see all these players again? Or do you think that he's going to be able to trust on what the evidence of what we've seen over the last six months? Because Gordon's right, we, we've definitely seen all these players. Manchester United fans cannot have any questions about this squad of players. Any single individual, even Dean Anderson, even Van der Beek, even Martial, we know everything about all of these players. You're quite right with Lindelof. I mean, Lindelof, you'd want to see him get another chance because of his the, the sort of commitment that he's shown. You'd like to see Van der Beek get a proper run because you know that there's a player in there. But apart from, I'm not saying that get rid of the rest, but what I'm saying is we know everything now. We know everything about this squad. Do you think that Ten Hag's coming into this knowing that he, he knows everything about this squad? Or do you think, do you have a concern that he's going to be looking at it thinking, no, I'll just give such and such another chance, you know, which has been the, the big problem that we've had, basically? I personally don't believe he would do that. I hope he doesn't go down that path because it's, it's the wrong path. It's been proven with too many managers now already. It doesn't work because you'll get that little bit again and you know that they're going, they're going to fail. It's there. It's been. It's been. It's happened too many times for it to change. That anything's going to change. I think. I believe we all know that. We don't know how long that the people, the people up above, have been assured that he he was always coming to Manchester United. So if it's been over a length of time from the moment it started, he's had a, at least a good eight weeks, eight nine weeks of maybe even more watching, and seen enough in games to understand what these yeah. players about. I think it's at the end of the day, if he comes in, when he brings players in, he's actually the one thing, if you go back to the old way of doing it, of doing things, when you as a manager would see somebody and go, I like him, and then you would have the people you could trust, like Sir Alex had his brother there, please go and find out about his personality and character. Is he going to affect my dressing room? Yeah. What's he like when he gets under pressure? All those things that you'd ask for someone, even if you was going to go and employ him to work in your office, you want to know, are they going to disrupt a well-oiled machine? A machine that when they lose, they know how to bounce back. Is he going to sulk? Is he suddenly going to disappear when the going gets tough? All those little elements, 
But when you've got all these people, you know, these directors of football coming in and they haven't really maybe got the background of a dressing room or know it, not know, I'm not going to say about them not knowing football. Everyone knows football. It's as simple as that. There's no arguing that. But it's about knowing those bits that are important. And one of those things is about being in the dressing room where it doesn't matter where you are, you could work on a conveyor belt. You have to go in a locker room and that locker room could be vile. It could be evil. Some yeah. of the things that are said, can they deal with that? Or are they a person who would be nasty to say things, to, to pressure people, to put them under pressure that affects them doing their job on a football pitch? And I think that's been taken away from now these now so-called head coaches when they should be called managers. Players still now, even in today's world, need someone who can put their arm around them and let, just talk to them. But now, because these directors of football now are the busy ones, I don't think play, players don't know where to go to get that. And all they do in theory is run to their agents. You know, and, yeah. that, and, that's, and that's the biggest thing in the world. When you get an agent as a manager or even as a director of football, if you're someone who's played the game or been around the environment and you've got someone coming up speaking about a player's all these problems, you'll be saying in the back of your head going, why doesn't he come and tell me that? Why? But I'll gauge it. I'll see emotionally how he is. I'd feel he's hurt. I'll, every, but no one's getting that anymore. You know, yeah. it's, you know, it's like me all of a sudden, I'm not feeling good about something. It's like me maybe sending my next door neighbour to go and speak to my mum and tell my mum my problems. It doesn't work, does it really? My mum isn't going to gauge it. So I think that I think it it needs those kind of things for cl for certain clubs to say no, we're going to do this, yeah, do it this way and allow that person because there's a lot of managers, well, head coaches out there that when they go down, they want to know and that they've done it in the best possible way which was their way, which they thought was right. And then they can go into their next bit knowing what cost them rather than someone given, giving them an individual to work with that doesn't fit. And I would, I would name one player in particular where I think that has happened. And it's obviously, it's not a Manchester United. I'm going to say Lukaku at Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is somebody who has come from the wrong jigsaw puzzle box into you know into Chelsea's box and it just hasn't worked and it's never going to work with Tuchel in charge because of the way Tuchel wants to play and I think that's maybe Ten Hag I think he, that's the way he's going to work Wayne it has to be the way the environment he's come from has to be that way he can't just suddenly change that whole thing younger players now which I believe he'll believe that he can integrate them into the Premier League or sorry into league football I'm going to say because yeah. I think if, if, they're, if they're good enough, they're old enough, as the saying used to be, at the times of a young Ryan Giggs coming through and all the others that come through after. So that's the way, that's how football was before. Teams were very successful with it. Why can't that happen again? Why are people trying to make this big gap between championship and young players? Why are we stopping young players at 17, 18 from playing in the Premier League? Why do they make, they're trying to sell it into something that it's really not this great big hocus pocus of this kind of football. When in theory, if they're young enough and they can learn quicker, because that's what in life, younger people exhaust things quicker. They take it in and, and they, they, they kind of digest it and then they try to implement it. And then generally a lot of them come through, depends on what levels that you get out of them. So there's something that can happen this and get back a little bit of, that little bit from before, 
rather than listen to what we're being sold about this Premier League. Oh, you're too young, got to bide your time. And all of a sudden, they're too old. They've got, you know, their, their time's nearly up. You know, it's a very, very short career. A player at 22, 23 can be still deemed as reasonably, reasonably experienced in the Premier League rather than still being young. You can't yeah. be young at 22 in a job if your career could be over by 33. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And United have probably been guiltier than any other club of giving sort of, well, we, the evidence is there, the likes of Martial and Lingard, and like you said earlier, sometimes it's not a case of criticising the players, sometimes it's a case of looking at the last four or five years and saying, what have you done? And the evidence is there that they've not they've not been good enough, and I'm not. that's not even a case of being critical about those players. They haven't won a trophy for five years, so what can you say? They've not been good enough, mm. and they've had different managers to prove it under. Um, so, I want to come on to some of these points. So a lot of comments coming in. Ben, again, about the captaincy. I'm coming back to that just because I'm going to talk about how it's part of a building block mechanism at the moment. Because Richard also says we definitely need a new captain for next season. The manager needs to be king in the dressing room, king everywhere. We don't need clicks and this and that garbage. We need a team 100% together. But we've talked about this before, Paul. Obviously, changing captain is going to be something that you would see as a signal. But that's one part of a building block. The second one is Tenog coming in post now. Whether or not he's in charge of Palace, he's not. I don't think he's going to be. But he's in. He's in post. He's 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 obviously looking at addressing things straight away, which we've said before is going to be potentially a very very strong thing in in United's recent history if he's given well. There's no doubt he's been given it because he's now in charge and he's going to be the one vetoing or granting these new contracts that are given to players. He's going to be the one making the decision on whether they stay or go. There's even a noise, you know, Pogba's going to wait for a discussion with Tenog, which at least puts the ball in Tenog's court to say, this journey's over, you need to move on as much as we need to move on. Not just that, there's also the sweeping changes in the back room, isn't there? The coach, some coaches have moved on, some scouts have moved on other staff, and there are some sad departures in there, Neil Ryan going, a couple of others, um, people who've been there for a long time, Jim Lawler who's been there for a while, but Richard Arnold is obviously, and John Murto, they've obviously been working really hard um, themselves alongside Ten Hag to identify that a lot of these changes need to happen. Now obviously changes sometimes happen for the sake of changes, and you know, you make bring in new staff and everything like that, but when you're in such a disarray as United have been and you're looking for crumbs of positivity, you've got to take these things as good steps, right? We look at Tenag. One thing that we were definitely saying, um, probably probably even before Tenag was appointed, well, definitely before it was announced, was that you need to get a manager in as soon as possible before these decisions are made because then you were giving him a lot of power where other managers didn't have it. I'm, I'm trying to get some positivity as we come to like a, a sort of crap end to the season. Is that a really good step for United to be taking, the way that they're making all these changes? Is it something that we can look at positively? Or, or is it one of those wait-and-see kind of things? I mean, speaking as a glass-off, full, full optimist sometimes kind of person that you want to, be seeing these things as good things, right? That's what we want to see. Do you feel like it's a good step that the club are making this amount of changes? 
Well, I think the change was always going to happen because of Randnick brought in his own people, didn't he? Just for yeah. his little tenure. So there was going to be a few people coming in. I didn't know about Neil Ryan going. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know about that one. Um, but I can see where he's coming from, and if he's going to do what he wants to do and try and build the club, build the team around the way he ran Ajax, and then talk about trying to build um, everything from down below like he did at Ajax, he needs people who know how that works so they can work with the people just to explain to them the difference. Because yeah. if it doesn't happen down there, it's not going to happen in the first team. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. You've got nothing to, to lean towards. And if United are going to start going out and building players into, co commercial, into commercial enterprises rather than try and go and buy them, mm. then it's, it's the only way it's going to work. And, and that's the bit I'm hoping that United get back to. I don't want to see them buying players and putting emojis of them around the pitch again. I don't ever want to see that because that was something that's come out that's come over from over from the golden pond that one that was absolutely you know it was awful when that happened and everyone yeah. then should have realized that manchester united had sold its soul when it went down that path so i'm hoping he goes down that line i believe they're the right decisions to step forward but then as you say the proof is in the cooking i think anyone with any common sense anyone who's been around manchester united a long time the ones who have seen the good times remember the poor times and what the club went through. They remembered when, just at the start of when the good times were about to begin again, will understand that this is going to be a time when there's going to be ups and downs. But what hopefully they will see, they will see individual players coming through. They will see younger players coming through. People have got to put um, the 92, the class of 92 bit to bed, you know, that's just, you know, that, is, that bit was something that mostly isn't going to happen again. Look, Those let me things... ask you on, on this, Paul, quickly, because obviously it's another positive thing to talk about. The FA Youth Cup last week, um, yeah. you talk, we talk about these players. Obviously, you can't predict how many of these players are going to come through, but they're almost a full house at Old Trafford, practically a full house at Old Trafford. Um, it wasn't the best performance of the Cup run, but to do... What they did in front of a full stadium to recover from the mental block of conceding a goal after going in front and sort of recover to win the game late on. Um, that's a positive thing. I mean, it's definitely a positive thing to win the FA Youth Cup anyway, and it's a really good note to sort of conclude this horror show of a season on. Um, it's like you just said there, you're not going to expect another class of 92, like, like the Busby Babes. They're freaks, they're anomalies, not just in United history, but in football history. So the sensible thing is to think, you know, still integrate hope that two or three first team players come through that right. Um, but it's still a good, a good grounding for for where we are. It's a good situation for Tenog to come into that is inherited that rather than the youth setup as it was like three years ago or so. Yes, um, it is definitely. When you look at it, you know, if you talk about the eleven players who started. The chances of maybe getting two of them out of it is very, very slim. You know, the way, the way football works. Yeah. It's great for those players individually to have that behind them. But you have to say that it's very, very slim that all, you know, half of them are going to get anywhere near it. Or even two of them are going to go on and have great careers at Manchester United. But it's something that's come maybe for everybody 
the right time. The club yeah. needed something, and more so if you can get it from the young players as well. That makes every fan, older fan, just remember some really good times of United winning that trophy, having those having good runs, and remember the individual players who come through off the back of that as well. And you know, I talk about the players I played with. I talk about Sparky. I talk about Clayton Blackmore. Still remember Beardo, Mark yeah. Robbins. Darren Ferguson, all of them, of course, Giggsy, you know, those kind of players. And there's more, which I've mostly forgotten about, but so many players have come through and, had a, you know, had got a run, a good run and had great careers. Again, Sparky had a great Manchester United career. Clayton Blackmore, very integral in the early part of Sir Alex's time at Manchester United and goals he scored and the yeah. way he, he was adaptable. You know, you put Blackie anywhere and he would do a good job anywhere. So people are looking, could could that reactivate that? And for them to win that Youth Cup makes a difference on recruitment for younger players because we know that City have taken a lot of players. You know, there's even Manchester United players who have sent their players to that academy. Well, Manchester United have just won a Youth Cup. So yeah. other players should start thinking maybe about where to be, where they want to be. You know, and if you can get the right players, especially the local players who are Manchester United fans, you know, their whole life has been that way and you get them to play for the club as well, then there's a there's a good chance you're going to get maybe the right ones. Again, there's, you know, you look at Nicky Butt, you look at, you look at um, Gary Neville, you look at them who had Manchester United in, in their hearts from, the, you know, from the moment they were born and what they went on and done. So it's, it was a good step, a good timing for Ten Hag to come in as well. Quite important with him coming as well, for him to see that. I'm quite sure he's watched that game a few times as well, just to maybe look at a few players that he could work with and maybe relate to them, relate them yeah. to what he's been working with in Holland as well. They're the young players here at that age compared to what they are in Holland. So yeah. we've all lived off, I have definitely lived off this fact about Ajax yeah. and about the players that produced from when I was a kid to the ones they're produced who are coming through now. And so I believe at the end of the day, Ajax have got this reputation. So I'm expecting someone to tell me that the Ajax players are better than what Manchester United have got because they integrate them into the first team quite quickly. And then they go on and, and become better players. Giggsy improved because of Giggsy was playing in a, a forward a forward thinking team, a team that was just building towards becoming a very good team. And that's why Ryan improved. Yeah. Um, Ryan's belief in his own ability, of course, helped. Never known a young lad who had so much belief in his own ability. Um, his arrogance, he had that kind of arrogance, Ryan, that was a positive arrogance. It wasn't a negative arrogance, the one that you wanted to slap down. It was one that you would never want to take away from somebody. And that's the arrogance to believe I'm a good player. And not yeah. many had that. Ryan had that. So I'm, a, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this club, I've never said that about it before because it's a it's a different way it's a different thing now what i'm seeing now and what i'm reading about with him coming in yes we've had the Moyes and we've had the lvg we've had the Mourinho, but everyone had a, a picture of what what they were going to see they they knew what was going to happen next but this time it's different i don't want to read about all these people coming out of his ex-pros talking about this and that because in theory they don't know which for me is, a, is the best thing, Wayne. I yeah. don't know where I'm going to go. I'm just going to watch it. I don't want to hear what people have got to say. 
if someone comes in from Holland, I'll listen. I will listen because they know better than anybody here. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, Ben says, how many came through the class of 92? Was it five? I'd be delighted if the three of the 22, um, the class of 22, yeah, become first team regulars. It's a good point. I mean, look through that team. Pilkington obviously got some chances, but he went on to have a great league career. Neville, obviously, okay, and had a few chances, went on to have a decent league career. Um, I know Switzer went out. Casper had a, a good league career and became a young manager. Simon Davies had a good league career. Robbie Savage obviously had a, a decent league career. And then you've got Beckham. Um, Gillespie had a great league career as well and, and international career. Um, and then you've got Ben Thornley. Felt only would have been one of the best as well, yeah. um, if not for injury. Absolutely, um, Colin McKee had a decent career, and that's without yeah. even the obvious, the obvious players that we t- can talk about. So yeah, the the important thing is whether they get a chance, right? And and I think now it looks like they're going to get a chance, uh, whereas before we we couldn't have been certainly couldn't have been convinced under um, Mourinho. I mean, maybe under Van Gaal because youth players did get a chance to there. Um, Anthony Williams makes a good comment here. Tenog being a renowned coach is exactly what's needed. Got two great assistants in Van der Gogh and Steve McLaren. But Tenog will have to adjust his style for the Premier League, unlike Van Gaal, who was too rigid. Yeah, all the, the conversations that you have with the players about Van, uh, Van Gaal was that he just implemented his style and he had no care really about how he adapted to the Premier League or even Manchester United. Some of all the players that he inherited were so instinctive players and he wanted them to all to play under instruction and um, some players adapted better than others obviously and um, I think Ten Hag is a little bit more progressive in his thinking about that uh, but we shall see for sure. A um, couple of things just to clear up before we um, conclude this week's podcast. First of all, let's talk about Palace of the weekend, Paul. They're going to look at United they're going to see um, a wounded animal. They're going to think that they can put that dog down. I mean, United need to better West Ham's result, basically, to keep sixth, finishing below Arsenal and Tottenham, as we're definitely going to do out of the Champions League places. So it's been, there's no dressing it up. It's going to finish a a very dismal campaign and there's no um, retribution. Like you've said, there's no... Um, escape for any of these players by what we've seen. Um, but Palace are definitely going to be up for that last game at home. They're going to be sensing an opportunity to um, really end with a flourish. And I don't really think you're going to see United that bothered. I don't. I don't want to say that the, the you know the, obviously a lot of these players' careers are going to end at the club this Sunday. And they want to want to go. They're going to want to go out on a high. But if you're going to Come up against the Palace who maybe get an early goal, you know, they they might down tools very quickly and, and make it a very difficult afternoon. It seems weird to be saying that because um Richard says we've got a good record at Palace, something like five wins out of the last visits, six visits to Croydon, yeah. But it seems like a different kettle of fish. You've seen Palace a few times this season, Paul, and they're definitely gonna sense blood, aren't they? Without a doubt. I mean the atmosphere is gonna be absolutely incredible my, my boy's managed to get a ticket and he's looking forward to it for the simple reasons yes my boy follows united but he just loves the atmosphere at sellers park and he can't wait to go they're going to want to make a make an impression those players you know yeah. they've had a great season crystal palace it's going yeah. to be conor gallica's last game for crystal palace at this moment in time as well 
Uh, there's a few players who want to look for maybe something, an improved deal. Some are fighting just because they want to be around um, Patrick Vieira. So it's going to be just as tough, maybe even tougher than what it was yeah. against Brighton. Yeah, they don't they don't dominate the ball, Brighton. Any sorry, Crystal Palace as much as Brighton, yeah. but they're playing with a different edge to how they played under Roy Hodgson. United players are going to have to be tested, or going to be tested really, and how much they really want to make a difference in their last game of the season to prove a point, or maybe to prove a point to suitors out there who might want them. I don't think one good game for a lot of them is going to make much difference, though. But still, have a go. I mean, I was supposed to, to be doing the game, but I'm fishing again. I'm away, away doing some more filming for fishing, which is incredible, really. I can't believe I've just said that, but I am. Um, so I, I won't be at that game, working that game. But I would have really have loved to have been there just to watch United play, you know, play in London again. And, and especially at Sellers Park, you know, with the, one of the, my, one of my favourite grounds. Yeah, um, Richard asks, um, would Paul and Wayne play Pogba at Palace? I would not, and no. it looks like Paul says no. I think no. It, that time's gone right. I think we should put a lid on the Paul Pogba episode at United, um, and I don't think it serves any purpose, right? Even if he's fit, there's no purpose. I mean, th- there has been that line from Lingard, uh, from, you know, that he's unhappy that he didn't get a farewell, but really... Uh, it's not about that now, is it? For for these players, it's. I mean, where where do you stand on that? It should just be a case of just picking the eleven, letting them finish the season. Don't be thinking about individual players. Literally, just pick the team to win the game. And yeah, I mean, I when that come out, and the worst thing is, his brother said it. He didn't, you know, speak up for yourself. To be perfectly honest, if you want anything, you get a little bit back when you speak up. Speak up for yourself, but. To turn around, I didn't get a farewell. It's a, it's a bit like um, Yaya Torre not getting a birthday cake. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. What you know? What do you expect in today's world? It's changed. It's, it's not the same. And to be honest, people will be screaming from the rooftops if they felt he had done enough to warrant a little bit more from the club. They're not screaming from the rooftops. They're not even screaming from underneath the pavement. Yeah. Um, people have just—he hasn't done enough, and he let himself down really because. He, there was a club that wanted him for what he gave them, and sometimes in life you should be where you where where you loved rather than going back because you can have pictures taken with big name players. Yeah. So, so he made a massive mistake there. I don't think that I don't think that's retrievable now because I think he made his mark by not even saying he loved it there and he would love to go and play for him. When things didn't work out at United, never even got a quote from him like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when I look at it, that as I saw, which was said that the likes of he played with the likes of Matic and Mata, who have just left the club, and not once did he mention about them going, but he's quick to go and talk about Mark Noble. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. It Lingard could end up at somewhere like Newcastle, and you can see like the next couple of years in being involved in their upturn, and and like maybe even. Maybe even scoring the goal against them into the Champions League or something like that. Maybe he'll go down in their history for that. You can see him doing it. You can see he's a busy player. You can see what he'd bring to a team like that. Um, He's going to have suitors. People are going to be after him. It's just, you know, and and Pogba, I mean, by all accounts, I mean, I think he was holding out for an offer. But it shows the kind of lack of demand for him at the moment that a lot of the bigger clubs were probably 
waiting to see. I mean, Paris were obviously waiting to see what was happening with Mbappe before like throwing money at another player. Real Madrid the same. They they might be more inclined to do it because they've seen Holland go to City. Um, but I don't think that even they would, at this stage of their redevelopment, do Real Madrid want to put a lot of investment into a player like Paul Pogba when they've got a, a great young midfield like with Camavinga coming through and it looks like the most likely destination for him is going to be Juventus because they know him and that they can invest in him and it's a safe, fairly safe option for them. And but it shows how like you know how his career stalled. He's going back to Juventus, in my opinion, anyway. But that's systematic of United. And I talked earlier about the start of this season, Paul, just to round off the podcast. How you know, sixth is a terrible season for United, but it also shows how bad this league is. That United are as high as sixth with some of the results and performances they've put in. It's been a really dreadful um, Premier League, in my opinion. I think it's best identified by way how high United have finished, in spite of how terrible they've been. I, I just want to conclude on, on this because I don't think next week is going to give us an answer either way um, in an individual result. How would you assess what we've seen in the last six months under Ralph Rangnick? Because, like I said, Gordon, on, on various occasions, Gordon Hill has been critical of him. A lot of supporters have been happy with the way that Rangnick's come out and he's been so honest. Has it been too honest, do you think? Has he, has he thrown too much under the bus? Has he been too um, blunt with everything that he said? I mean... He came in with a reputation as being a tactical innovator. We've not really seen that. A lot of the players have shouldered the responsibility for that, but you could also blame the manager and say, well, he didn't have a, a track record at top clubs before he came to United, so it's not like he's seen a massive upturn. The players have fairly, in large quantity, taken the responsibility for that because they deserve the responsibility. But I've just we've seen six months of Tenag. I'm just wondering what, what your assessment is of what you've seen from him. Oh, sorry, Tenog, Regnick. Yeah, um, when you look at the football point of view, there's been no difference, to be perfectly honest. Um, been no difference at all, really, in what's happened on the football pitch. But um, when, by what he said, you know, an ex-player's come out and said that he was wrong to be doing what he was doing. Um, I think the majority of fans needed to know what was going on. Um, there's a there's a way that he's done it compared to the way a Mourinho's done it. Mourinho's way of throwing people on the bus was virtually was to first of all cut their wrist and then throw them under the bus. But um, I think there's a way that he's gone and done it. And people, players have come to him, and he felt and he's just felt that the fans need to know more about that individual individual player where that player's head is. So I think the majority would go with the way he's done it. The way they've found out more, because he's he wasn't there as a manager; he was there as a consultant. Yeah. And so he's consulted, he's listened, and he's talked. So on that side of it, it's kind of made people's minds up about what's gone on there. Well, not made their minds up; it's kind of told them what they're almost knowing already. What's happened with the club? I think the I think the people above have got a lot to do with it because all they've done is pampered pampered people who weren't really fussed and was just using them to get more out of them. That's what's happened. If a proper manager had been in there, he would have seen it and he would have turned around and be telling the establishment exactly what the individuals were all about 
and this is what I want to do and I'm not going to go and give them this regardless of what they're worth commercially via social media and selling shirts. He would say, no, they're not going to win me football matches because if you mm-hmm. don't win football matches, you're really in theory, you don't sell shirts. Commercially, you fall, you fall apart. So the most important thing is to win games. So I like that side of it, but at the end of it, when you look at the football side of it, it hasn't been very good. The football's been poor. It's been very dysfunctional, the football. No one knew what's going to happen next, except that maybe Ronaldo, if he can get away from the shackles around him, he might be able to go and nick a goal, which he'd done on quite a few occasions. So, so it's been positive in one bit. You know, you see now with players, um, the Jesse Lingard situations opened up. People know about that. Other individual players have said things he's come and said about them. And in theory, I think everyone knows it. It needs a massive clear out when you, when you, yeah. when you look at everything. I mean, I look at Luke Shaw, played under too many managers. I look at the way he's been playing. He's another player, and that's one. Just to mention one, who he needs a change of club to find out, to find out. Um, if he re- if he how much he really wants to play football. Yeah. Um Ben says if he was a full time manager I'd call it a disaster. I actually quite like that he's given the players nowhere to hide. I wouldn't want that from a full time manager though. Yeah. And I think in a way what Ragnick has done with the way that he's called players out and, and the way that he's called the club out in certain regards, you know, saying he wanted signings and stuff like that. He's, he's done that dirty work for Ten Hag. You know, Ten Hag doesn't need to do it because we kind of know then if, if, let's say, United don't get the players that they need, we know that that's the direction from the top and not from the manager because the, the it's already been said, if, if, the, if the players are hanging around like Deadwood, we know it's their choice and not the, the club's choice, you know, in, in certain well, that's, well, that's been the problem, Wayne. There's been too many players over this last six, seven, eight years... Who are, yeah. be, who are dead wood. Yeah. And you keep seeing all of a sudden you just go, you just go, wow, he's still playing. You think, what's he doing now? I mean, if Bailly comes out and play a game, everyone's going to go, wow. You know, he's going to go away and maybe 15 years down the line, he'll be looking back his career at Manchester United and he should be embarrassed. He should be absolutely embarrassed if that's how he's, he's been happy and content to sit around at a football club doing what he's doing. It must he, he should be embarrassed driving into Carrington. Yeah. Um, should be. What, one last thing before we go, and I know this is really a question for the start of next season rather than this, but Richard's asked it before we round up. What does Paul think will be a good season for Ten Hag? A top four, a trophy, or both? Just top four. What, what do you think? Obviously, this is blind. It's without knowing who's going out, who's coming in. Um, but what, if, if you're to assess Ten Hag and, and giving him a, an objective for next season, what, what do you think it would be? I hate talking about um, top four. Top four, because, I mean, that's, that's all that, that... Yeah, you get in Europe, great, but if you're not talking about winning leagues, then, for me, you've got to talk about winning a trophy. Yeah. About winning a trophy, not finish top four. That sounds too Arsenal-like, Yeah, you know. It's like for there's no trophy, you know, just for you know for being as runner being a runner up. You don't get anything for being a runner up. Yeah. Um, you, but in general, nine times out of ten, you can hang it, you know, hold your head high, 
and say I've really had a go at it. I've yeah. really tried to win this league, except when Manchester United finished second under Mourinho, because, I mean, there was a long way off the first. Mm. But, no, I mean, not not just to finish fourth. A good season, is, for me, is to, is to have a go and try your best in everything you're playing. Yeah. But more importantly, try to win a trophy. It's not going to be the league. It has to be a cup competition. Um, I'm not one who suffers all this rubbish about players being tired and need resting. I believe that if you're a player signed for Manchester United, you want to play in every single game. Yeah. Nothing better than walking out because you know every time you play at home, you've got seventy odd thousand. You play away, you've got the best you've got the best away support in the country. Who are going to make every time they play, they're going to away from home. They make more noise than the home fans. Yeah. Um, good comment here from UTFR. We've got to challenge for everything. This is Manchester United. That's definitely the hymn sheet Paul's singing from, and this. Nice comment to conclude, which I know for sure Paul's going to agree with. I just want to see the standard raised, more fight, more responsibility on the pitch. The stuff I always used to think were the basics. Ben, you've hit the nail right on the head with that one. I think that's it. And Paul, Paul's general comment there is more about United being more like they used to be in terms of every single game has got to be treated um, like Manchester United used to or should be treating every game, like the opponents treat every game. UTFR, I'd love to see us lift that Europa League or a trophy, gets that winning mentality on board. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll be back next week to finish up the season. Paul will be fishing, but I'm sure he'll manage to get the, the majority of the Palace game in there to see. If not, I might get his son on, considering that his son's going to be there and he'll be able to give us the feedback of the game now. Thanks, guys, for watching and listening. Really appreciate uh, the comments and the in, interaction in the um, in the conversation. Always great. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it a like and subscribe on YouTube. If you've um, been listening back on the audio podcast, please subscribe and give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.